Welcome to Becker's Health IT and RCM virtual event. My name is Morgan Hafner. I'm an editor with Becker's Hospital Review and will be your moderator for today's discussion on the best three idea ideas to improve health IT and revenue cycle today. During today's session, we'll explore what health IT and revenue cycle improvements the executives you see on your screen are working on and the best ideas they have for improvements in the space. We'll also hit on pitfalls to avoid and what new technology excites them. With us today are Holly Yonmoto, the CFO and CIO at San Gorgonio Memorial Hospital and Healthcare District in California, and also Svetlana Pittman, the CFO of Tucson Orthopedic Institute in Arizona. Welcome to you both and thank you for joining us today. Can you please give a 30-second overview of your organization and what your role is? Svetlana, we'll start with you and then we can go to Holly. Hi, um, we are Tucson Orthopedic Institute. We are the primarily orthopedic practice in Tucson and surrounding areas. We have 53 providers, including doctors and PAs. We have five locations in Tucson. We have our own physical therapy and other ancillary services. And Holly, if you could talk about um, your hospital and sort of what it looks like and um, what your role is. Yes, uh, Holly Yonemoto, and I'm the Chief Financial Officer and Information Officer of San Gorgonio Memorial Hospital. And we are in Banning, California, which is in Los Angeles, Palm Springs. And so though it's right outside of an, out of an urban area, it is um, rather rural. Uh, as well as an elderly community, a lot of um, senior li living uh, uh, development, uh, housing development. So we have uh, a smaller inpatient, we have 71 licensed beds, and um, our biggest of the business of healthcare in the area is emergency department. Our emergency department uh, has about 45,000 visits here, so uh, that's quite a significant number of visits. Uh, and so that is central theater for our inpatients, um, as well as uh, we have surgery, um, all the different aspects of surgery, as well as we have telehealth um, related to neurology. And that about sums up our line of business. Great, definitely some. Um, perspectives that are different, but I think will really um, lend a hand to each other for this discussion today. So let's dive in and um, let's talk about what health IT and revenue cycle improvement looks like at your organizations today. And so, um, Svetlana, I'll start with you. Where are you focusing your time and resources right now? We have a, we have a separate IT department. It's really small, but definitely mighty. It takes care of our entire network system, all of our cybersecurity and everything in between. Our revenue cycle encompasses everything from patient calling in for the appointment all the way to collecting from the payers contractual revenue. We always saw our operating department and revenue cycle very cognizant of each other needs. 
we have um i guess we right now we started last year we upgraded our network and we started the year focusing on how we can actually what can we do to make this all three departments to operate more efficiently so we determined the course of action we had the timeline and then of course COVID hit so things changed do you want me to talk about how things change yeah i would love to hear about that so um COVID hit i think the lesson for us from COVID was that the future is inherently unknown the only way for us to sustain we are independent practice to sustain us is to find a way to adapt really quickly and be creative we um like in everybody everybody else said every other medical practice right away we were hit with a lot of limitations could it be social distancing executive order stay at home stay healthy patients visit all of a sudden our protective equipment became really important and the whole idea to protect our patients and our staff from COVID-19. So we, um, it was easy for us at the time we switched and we said, okay, what can we do immediately? We decided that we need to focus on automation. The easiest example for us probably would be intake forms because if the patient can fill out all the forms before they come to us, that means we protect our patients from unnecessary exposure and we protect our staff as well. And if this form flows seamlessly to our system, that means we can do everything a lot more efficient. And um, there is, it's been, so it's September, right? There's still no Eureka when it comes to revenue cycle MIT. It's more consistent analysis on what we have, what issue come up, and what tools available on the market to help us solve to solve all of these issues. Absolutely. Let's just summarize it. Yeah. So you're saying before COVID, it was you know focus on that consolidation plan of those different departments, and obviously priorities took over where automation really made sense during that time. Um, to work with those forms, those patient forms. And Holly, I wanna ask you um, if this is a situation that was similar to what you saw in California or if there are other um, areas that you are focusing your time now and maybe different after the pandemic hit. Yeah, so we, um, we were in the midst of implementing a new EHR when COVID hit. Um, we took the whole process of revenue cycle and I to a whole nother level. We redesigned and we actually acquired a vendor for our revenue cycle because being a small hospital and, and therefore having a small billing department, it really made sense from the standpoint of getting a larger vendor in that could have that stability um, because what we would find is that <clears throat> if an individual went out or on a leave or a vacation, um, it really impacted the cash flow because that particular individual was all Medicare or all Medi-Cal in our state. Uh, and so 
it really made the flex of staff <clears throat> difficult since the, the department was small. So we outsourced to a vendor and uh, the vendor did acquire uh, individuals from our department and so that was great. So we were able though then to kind of piggyback on all of their knowledge resources from a uh, corporate structure that has um, access to, you know, all the latest information on what's happening and new legislation. And for instance, right now we have that price transparency coming up. So they're gonna be handling that for us as well. Um, so it, it actually really helps from that standpoint. And additionally, the analytics related to that, I think that, you know, getting additional revenue in the door is key, obviously, of watching, you know, how fast our bill's getting out the door, how, what kind of accuracy is occurring. Um, so having those with a dashboard has been extremely helpful as well that the vendor um, is uh, giving to us on a, a biweekly basis. And then with that, that, in that particular instance, the vendor we went with for EHR also was a partner with that particular billing company. And so that it would be seamless from the EHR to the billing. So uh, we were going through that process um, and we actually just went live in the midst of COVID. Um, we have a great relationship. We are the first um, client on this platform for this vendor. It's a large vendor. And they have started a community model, um, which means that the EHR is housed on the cloud, quote unquote, which is servers off site. And so we access EHR, all of our clinicians, uh, nurses, doctors, um, registration, all access system via the internet. And we then have our information is obviously separate from other institutions. We are the first, so we are, have been a great partner with, and they have been a great partner in developing this product um, because it'll be the platform then as they get additional clients that we will all be on. So as we make changes, we're all aware that we're, we're making changes related to everyone for the future. So um, it's been quite a, a process. And I think what we've learned through that is that uh, we've learned about every bit of the process from the, the registration to the medical records, the billing, to the sending out of the claims, um, because though we've had some glitches here and there, uh, it has given us that detailed knowledge of how this process works and how, what we need to go right for the process to be complete and successful. And so despite COVID, we went through with the go live because yeah. we figured, uh, well, you know, it's like we're pulling the Band-Aid, you know, uh, we pull it now, we pull it later. And um, we actually were concerned that if we waited, we might hit the um, pandemic or as they're calling it, the twin-demic um, related to this fall and winter. So we went live September 1. We are in the process of um, that go live and getting everyone up to speed. So, um, so yeah. It's, it's yeah. Yeah, you, you took my follow-up question. I was going to ask what was going to be the, you know, how did you decide to go through it? You know, because a lot of um, hospitals and health systems and ASCs and Orthopedic institutes have paused big plans because of the pandemic. So it was interesting to hear about why you went through with it. Um, I also find it interesting the outsourcing aspect that that was um, what came up um, because of COVID became a, a more of a focus for you. 
And so my next question is really the title of the panel today. And I know it's kind of hard to boil down best ideas to just three, um, but I would love to hear your best three ideas to improve health IT and revenue cycle today. And um, I'll, I'll ask just Lana that question first. So once again, we are orthopedic practice. We are independent orthopedic practice. So for us, the story could be quite different. So I would say one of the best idea is you have to leverage automation. If you can automate, do it. This way you will, you will have more time to analyze the data you actually have. I will use our referral system as a perfect example. Our referral system really, it used to be like unexpected hail in the middle of the summer. You don't know where it's coming from and you're never sure where it's going to land. And we, especially now, we need the referrals because referrals are translated into the visits and it's rolled all the way through and now we have the revenue. So when we automate the referrals, now every referral comes regardless where it's coming from. It could be snail mail, it could be fax, email, the phone call, secure text message it now goes to one specific folder. And from this folder, it's directed to appropriate party. So the whole time between receiving the referral and having the patient come and visit us was shortened tremendously. The second one, um, it's probably use the data. You have to follow the numbers. We have, um, amazing CEO in our organization, Paula Hacked, and she always said, if you can measure it, you can manage it. So for, our, for us, we have analytical tools on the top of our EHR system, and we basically can delineate every aspect of the revenue. So we can tell you in numbers how long the patient on hold to schedule an appointment for specific subspecialty how long it takes for the patient to schedule an appointment in every different subspecialty. We can tell you the metrics that everyone else use, how many days you have in AR, what is your no-show ratio. We have the dashboards that not only finance team, operational team review as well, and discuss it before we present it to our providers. We have eight excellent hip and joint surgeons. So when we run dashboards for them by subspecialty, we can right away see if there's any outliers. Because normally, if it's in subspecialty, you expect people to have more or less equal allocation of uh, appointments, surgeries, payer mix, and if there is an outlier, we can ask the question why, and if there is an issue, we can solve it way before it actually become a bigger issue. And with the data, um, what it helps us, since we can leverage the data, it gives us additional power when we go to negotiate with the pairs. Not that we're always successful, 
but we are trying to build relationship on actual almost tangible data, not only on anecdotal evidence. We have after our clinics that we open from four to nine, which is, you know, in orthopedic care, even now, everything normally happens after the kids or adults playing. So it's after four o'clock. So after our clinic is really important for our community. So when we negotiate with one of the peers, we were able to show how much value we generate for their members. So I think it's two best ideas, automate and measure it. And Holly, I'll let you weigh in here too. Um, what are your best ideas for improving health IT and revenue cycle? So I think from the front end, uh, the best idea there was going with outsourcing for us because of the size of being small and having a smaller I, uh, billing department, it, that really made sense and really um, helpful on just having that ability to have people take time off and, and you know, and all that. And, and with COVID, that's been very important because some individuals, you know, were comfortable and some were not of continuing working. Um, having said that, a lot did work off-site, and so that worked out as well um, with their systems being um, remote and the servers being remote. So again, that actually worked out really well. Um, so I think that was the front end because that went to also um, the, the piece of, of measuring and, and being able to manage that from the measurements, having those that data available um, and looking at that. So having that dashboard that um, is the key indicators of, you know, cash coming in the door to what's getting billed out, how long is it taking to get billed out from which point to which point, how long are we holding it, how long is the doctor taking to um, finish the chart so that the medical records code it. Um, so all those pieces really important. And then um, for us it was uh, the automation um, as mentioned was uh, getting a new EHR that has essentially um, most of the billing automated so that we can have the whole process uh, measured because with that this um, community model EHR has a lot of analytics as far as we can make reports on almost every item, every element in the system. So um, not only from a clinical standpoint can we look at uh, the data, but from the process of the um, whole revenue cycle, that's been very important. And uh, looking forward to more and having all that data to be able to look at you know, points of improvement and opportunity, um, as well as having that full automation that we were looking for. Yeah, you both hit on the important point of using data as a tool, as a measuring tool, and not, like Svetlana said, not relying on, you know, stories, but really this is what's going on. These are what the numbers are showing. I think that's, you know, a theme that both of you hit on and really important. I. I want to dive in um, next about, you know, looking at those things that are the best ideas. I want to talk about a time that maybe when you implemented a new community um, technology or just a new strategy, that maybe you hit pitfalls um, and sort of lessons learned from those experiences as well. Um, and so 
Um, Holly, if you can dive into that one first, um, and then Svetlana, if you have anything to add. So I think from our transition from our in-house billing department to um, the, having a vendor was what I really liked and that I could have seen as a huge pitfall had it not happened, which was they literally dove into every bit of our process to the minutia, which, uh, you know, instead of saying, oh, well, we do this, and then, and then we do that, and then we do that, it was like, no, they actually workflowed everything literally down to, to the, we then take this piece of paper, and then it goes there, and then, and, you know, and put that whole workflow diagram. So I think that could have been a really huge, I was very nervous, honestly, of the transition, and they were just a great organization. So, and also having your individuals go into that organization made that transition also, um, that could have been a huge pitfall, um, honestly, and it was a very, it was a very smooth transition, and, um, it, it, and that was, was, was right. diagramming every bit of it and having that documented for us. Um, I think another pitfall would be, um, so with the EHR, um, again, not understanding your processes. Um, I think with, uh, again, with, you know, this person needs to have it first and that then needs to have, you know, that needs to happen. And then what are those triggers? So how does that person, you know, now know that this is now their duty and how did they get alerted and how do they they know that it's sitting there waiting for them and and to push it through the process so i think that education um is again something that could be a pitfall because um if you don't really understand the flow then uh, the person upstream doesn't realize oh well i had to go over there to get that so i think that again is you know diagramming and really educating on processes um, before you implement. You raise a really good point about the outsourcing. I, I find that that's always a source of um, stress for um, folks. And it, you're right, it can be a common pitfall. And so I'm wondering, were there any just key, it's like not flags, but sort of, okay, this was the right decision. I feel good about this particular vendor. Um, so things that you picked up on that really made that decision feel more concrete and like the right one. Yeah, I think it was the individuals. I think it's such an important um, piece of the selection, which is to meet the the actual individuals that are working on the transition and knowing that they have a high level of uh, expertise. And I think you can see that very quickly when you meet with the individuals and you start getting into the detail. And so I think from our first um, our first meetings with the, this particular vendor, um, it was very clear that the individuals, you know, had 30 years experience in billing, um, you know, talked about the whole process, but, you know, we, we went into detail about their process, you know, like, how does this look and what do we do? And so we, like, literally spent three days, um, you know, putting a paper around the wall with the, the process, and then they, you know, then converted it to, um, onto the computer and such and make those workflow diagrams, but, um, but I think that is really key. It's always the people that you have and then ensuring that those are going to be the people that are, are, are owning it um, because, and in our case, they did, and so it went really well, but I could see that being um, a very important piece to really know and meet and be assured that those are the people that are doing your implementation. Mm -hmm. 
That's really helpful insight. Um, and Svetlana, um, any common pitfalls that you have run into um, and kind of lessons learned from those? I think I learned um, three biggest pitfalls, at least for us. Under communicating, operating in silo, and believing in unicorns. We, um, the simple example, we just implemented dual identification for everyone who remotely access our network. I volunteered the finance department to be a guinea pig and everything went smoothly. We had no issues. I think we were running on the platform in 24 hours. And then we unrolled it for the entire Tucson Orthopedic. Talking about under communicating, somehow half of the revenue cycle did not receive the final email. So when implementation happened, my entire coding team was out of commission for three hours. So that means I had a lot of claim that were not processed and a lot of employees who were quite frustrated with that. Uh, on the bigger scale, we're now in process of implementing new PAC system. And Morgan, we did do everything according to the best practices. Radiology and IT led the entire project. We had sufficient capital budget, approved and ready to go. We got input from every department who will remotely if affect the, how the packs will operate. We had two different vendors, discuss everything with them, really good and reliable vendors. We established the timeline and then we took off. Well, we are now, what, six weeks behind after the second deadline with the implementation process. What we did not know that that interlacing between two different vendors will be that problematic. And we were not the first one. We actually talked to another group that had the same implementation process. Different interface worked really well for them, but it didn't work for us. From this, what I learned, you have to anticipate the corners. You have to have the contingency plan and be ready to implement it. We're doing fine. We did not, it did not throw us off. We did not go into manual mode, but we are so far behind. So, so yeah, just that over communication with your team, right? You're, you're, you know, inside. Um, do you mean communication with the vendor as well? Um, or is it mostly just like within your organization? I think you need to do more. You have to have the entire operating team know where you are on this project because they have the different issues and how they resolve it might affect how will the project be derailed or it will be continued successfully. And of course, internally. I mean, that was uh, three hours that we lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those are tough, tough um, challenges. So thank you both for, you know, giving some insight into how you responded. I think those that's really helpful for people to kind of relate to. Um, so I will go into our last question um, a little bit lighter. I'm curious if there's any new technology. I know we've talked a lot about new HR systems and also um, 
some revenue cycle tools, but is there anything um, being vendor agnostic that really excites you that you think in the next coming years it might, um, you know, be useful for you? And so, um, but Lana, I'll ask you first. Well, I think I already men men mentioned that leverage and automation, that, mm -hmm. that excites me because any manual is definitely hinder our performance. And we need to be successful. We have a mission to our patients, which is service excellence. And if we're not successful, the mission is gonna fail. But for us to succeed, we have to be financially healthy as well. No money, no mission. So automation will really help to make the whole process a lot smoother. And um, I'm just thinking this whole intake forms for us, just the whole idea that the patient can be in the comfort of their own home, finish all the paperwork when they have um, the pill bottles that can look and figure out what medication they take in, when they, can, they, when they know where the insurance card, when they have family members, especially now, since we're not allow family members to come to the visit for their safety, have a family member to help them answer questions and then have that data flow directly in our system. So when the patient comes, the doctors can be more efficient. The doctors can timely submit the dictation and the flow will go all the way through to the claims and uh, payment. And my, for me personally, I think artificial intelligence will make so such a huge difference. We, for a variety of reasons, cannot implement it in our organization. I actually believe that payers are the ones who need to drive AI. They have resources and it will benefit everybody involved. Everyone in the healthcare industry will benefit from AI. You start from any data that you can receive, you can know what's happening, not only in your individual network, but in the population as a whole. Well, that's my dream. I don't think it's gonna happen in the next three years. But I will, I will settle on maybe analytics on the steroids. So we know what's happening in our network. We know how we can manage our resources. And we, of course, these tools will also help us to talk to the peers and be more on the um, collaborative side. We can build the relationship with the peers using their AI system to benefit and bring value to both sides. We have to reach win-win situation. Absolutely. And Holly, anything to add on to that? So I think for me, what I'm excited about is, um, is this community model where, um, because of the expense reduction, that it's helpful to many organizations to not have that huge capital outlay. But I think I would love to see some like filtering, like almost another layer on top of the community model which would then show that um, you could customize though you are on a similar platform. So maybe you, you're customizing the look of the front end for your institution 
and uh, though it's going into the same backend. Um, so I think something along that would be, um, you know, great. I think uh, from the standpoint of getting more information out there, I think that's the goal of everyone um, as an organization, and I think technology is bringing us there. And so um, it definitely gives us a handle on so many more, so much more um, than to have a paper claim and to have a paper process. Um, so. I think that is getting there for you know most organizations, and I think that again making it affordable is where I think the next level is going to go for healthcare in general, even from the smaller doctor offices to the larger um, health. Yeah, some just great ideas, and I, I you know automation and also making those processes smoother for patients. I don't think anyone would argue those are some great things that the industry could benefit from. So. Um, Holly and Svetlana, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and also our audience for tuning in today for making this event truly great. We have so many awesome Becker's virtual events coming up, chances to hear from leadership from you know, hospitals and other ASCs. So please check in on our website um, for more information on that and always welcome feedback. So thank you all again and we hope to see you soon. Thank you, Morgan.